You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Monday, October 11th, Just Baseball Show. He's Arm Leighton. I'm Jack McMullen. Our team is still alive. You used we for the White Sox. I'm so excited that you used we. I convinced Javier Reyes, who is a pretty often heard voice on this podcast, to join the White Sox bandwagon. He says, I, I needed no convincing. He was already there. It sounds like you're there. I'm there. I, I, look, I love the White Sox as just a fun team anyways, but given that I tried too hard to be a contrarian and went White Sox World Series, uh, they if they got swept first round, I just look like an absolute dunce. If they can at least give me a little bit more, give me a five-game series, and then I say, ah, oh, they lost to a really good Astros team, who, oh, well, uh, then I'm in sh- good shape. But honestly – if, if the Rays drop this one to the Red Sox here, the winner of this series to me has, has a really good shot to get to the World Series. So find a way. We, we got to find a way here. I, I say we with the White Sox and I say we with the Giants and that's it. Uh, yeah. I don't even say we with the Marlins, who I rock right now. I don't. I, love that. I really don't. I really don't. We're going to keep doubting the Red Sox, I think. like I, I'm I will doubt until they win the World Series. I will doubt in the ninth inning with two outs when they're about to win. But the thing is, if they win the World Series, we might resort to saying Mickey Mouse postseason. Will we? Is, is it a Mickey? How can, what's the spin zone? How I don't do know. Do it? I have no How idea. Do do I think it? we might just say that as like we deflect our anger. And I want to be clear. I've, I love the Red Sox team. I think, I think Xander Bogarts is awesome. I think Verdugo is cool as hell. I think a lot of these players are great. I love JD is, is a guy that's from my local area. I played against his high school a million times, and he went to a Division two school in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I love that team. It's more so just New England fans in general. Yes. Who, By the way, if you listen to this podcast, I love you. It's like a fun feud rivalry a bunch of my closest friends are new england fans which i think is kind of entrenched me in this i want them to lose sometimes yeah. but i'll wear it like i'll wear it like I'll, I'll own it and i still won't let it impact my objective journalism journalism as i always like to joke i wrote nick york is proving the red Sox right i wrote the red Sox are here to stay blah 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 they're still losing to the Rays in five 
Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, all my college roommates were from Massachusetts. The Red Sox fans. Um, when the Red Sox won in 2018, that like 15 inning game, 16 inning game that ended at what 3 a.m. Eastern. I want to say he was out on the West Coast and Uvalde threw like six innings of relief. My brother was in town visiting, and my brother at the time was. I want to say a freshman in high school, maybe a sophomore in high school. And, you know, we were watching the game in one of my roommates' homes or one of my roommates' rooms. It's my home. Uh, and, <laughs> and your roommate's home. Nice, yeah. of you, nice of him to welcome you in. Yeah, that was very nice. Uh, good placemat, all that stuff. Or uh, what, floor mat, doormat? Yeah. God. Um, listen, it was a very late night last night watching these White Sox. But, my brother stayed up a lot longer than I could. I stayed up until the 11th. I was like, okay, I'm going to bed. It's 1230. He stayed up until two with one of my roommates who he had never met before that night. 15 year old. It's almost like a babysitting job. (laughs) And my brother was like, listen, I'm so tired. I'm going to bed. Wake me up when something awesome happens. My roommate wakes my brother up at 2.45 a.m., and says the Red Sox are about to win. And then Pedroia makes that error. You remember that? And yeah. he's just screaming obscenities in our house, like pushing 3 a.m. And then they finally get the win. So that's like my Red Sox memory there, living with a bunch of New Englanders. Uh, and it's very funny. It, they are a very welcoming group of people if you want to join them. But if you don't want to join them, they will they're- murder you and wipe you out and take you out of the way. I'm in a group chat right now. Dude. It, 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 like, I understand why I'm here, why this is where I'm at. Yeah. My closest friend since, you know, since we started high school, like I'd been super tight with him. We played baseball together and everything. And then my other close friend and his dad uh, are all in a group chat with me right now. And just every time the Red Sox do something like, Arm, didn't you say that their bullpen's not good? Like, well, didn't their bullpen just go five scores? I'm like, no, Nick Pavetta went five scoreless that's not factored into my bullpen analysis of the Red Sox great move and I'm not taking that away from what Pavetta was and we'll talk about that Pavetta was phenomenal phenomenal and a great move by Cora to do that you know you you win that game you're in the driver's seat you figure it out later with who's going to start that doesn't mean the bullpen is good (laughs) right and so like that's where I just lose my mind no I mean but uh yeah it was awesome Pavetta doing that does not bump the bullpen grade up. It just bumps Alex Cora's grade up. Exactly. Exactly. And Cora has been fantastic. Uh, I think that's a big reason why they are where they are. The offense has been good. They've been good situationally. And you know what? I I will say that again, I like the team. The Red Sox are grinding right now. You have, you have JD Martinez hitting where he basically can't even get into his legs. And you could see that. I mean, he's putting the bat on the ball, and you can justify him playing because he's so damn good. But he's hit a couple of deep fly balls that I promise you, if J.D. Martinez is healthy, those are homers. But he's not getting into his legs. His swing is all arms. His bat-to-ball skills are so good that he can spray the ball all over the field, and he's worth having in the lineup instead of, like, who who else are you going to put in there? But my, my thing is you can see him not getting into those legs, and that's holding him back from the power it's fine. He's still hitting well, and he's still putting the bat on the ball. The one that's making me a little bit nervous, and I tip my cap for him even trying, is Rafael Devers. Yeah. You can see his front side flying off. And I know he had a hit last game. His front side's flying off. 
he's letting the hand go like mid swing. Another guy, good bat to ball skills. So he's making it work, but I'm a little bit nervous with Devers. I don't know much about the background of the injury. Like, is it worth it at this point? He can't even play at, I would say, 65% right now at the plate. It really looks like he's not even halfway to who he normally is. Is it worth it for them? And on top of that, though, I do want to commend him for for just trying. That's a pair of gamers right there. I'll say yeah. that for sure. Absolutely. I don't like speculating intricacies of those types of things. But doesn't his swing look like a wrist problem? Yes. And, and have they not even said that? I almost was just like running with the fact that it was a wrist issue. I don't know if they've said it. I haven't seen that Rafi Devers is dealing with a wrist okay. issue. Well, and, and so like, you know, we don't like we always want to avoid speculating injury with with JD. It's pretty clear he his ankles messed up and he can't get into his legs and he jogs and he's still hitting the baseball. With Devers, you know that it's that hand, wrist, whatever. It's it's that. It's something to do with the hand or the wrist. And that is enough to to really impede that swing. That's why I don't think we're going to see Brandon Belt back, even maybe by the World Series. Your thumb, your top thumb, that's it taking all the impact. And I think it's the, it's the top hand for Rafi Devers too, right? Yeah, it is. So that top hand as a, you know, as a hitter, that's really taking the brunt of everything I, I'm not saying I want to see Devers out of the lineup because you know that he's going to come up with some big hit and, you know, be holding his wrist as he rounds first or his hand or whatever it may be. But I just wonder if he is net helping the Red Sox right now. It's not like he's a good defender and now he's out there, you know, hitting at 50% maybe. It, it's it's a little rough to watch. It makes me nervous. I hope he doesn't make anything worse. But again, I just wanted to like point that out. Yeah. These guys are gamers and they're they're really uh, doing whatever they can to, to try and get through this this race team. We're going to finish the Rays Red Sox conversation and then we'll get back back into Astros White Sox. Quick little taster preview of what's to come on the National League side. But let's finish what happened at Fenway last night. The rule. The dumbest thing I've ever seen. Do you have it in front of you? Uh, Yeah, I can pull it up. Well, you, while you pull it up, I'll initiate my rant. Um, I didn't sleep for one second last night. I don't think I slept. So it's all I could think about. Because let me let me preface with this, because this, this is something I really want to make clear, especially because this was something that the Red Sox fa- friends or fans that are friends, friends that are fans, whatever. They were like, here you go. Trying to undermine the one. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Within the rules, it was the right call, and the Red Sox won the game within the rules of baseball, and that's the most important thing. That aside, not undermining the Red Sox victory, that is the dumbest freaking rule I've ever seen in my damn life. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. I already don't love the ground rule double thing, but, you know, that is what it is. That's just entrenched in baseball and embedded in the game since, you know, 1890, that double day, whatever How it was. How would you change it? That rule? Yeah. What, do, like the, the general? Like, why do you double? have a problem with ground rule doubles? I don't have a huge problem with it. it. There's just a level of frustration of like, you can benefit from it as a defensive team, right? Like, and I think that it rises to its head here, but you have a guy rounding third, like runners on the move, three, two count, runner on first base, which happens all the time. It's not yeah. that obscure. Oh, all the time. He's rounding third. 
and you know, now the ball bounces over the wall and he's got to come back. I get it. I get it. I get it. But like part of that is like you work the full count. That's an advantage runners on the move. I just almost think it should be like where the runner's at, but that would be too abstract and too weird. And I'm cool with just leaving it how it is. I don't want to change the fundamental rules of baseball. That being said, this is a much more niche thing that might happen once every, however many years, because baseball is weird. And like one of the old adages is like, how many times do you see something you've never seen before on the field? Jeff Conine says it to me on the podcast all the time. This play though, for those who may not have seen it, I think the runner was on the move too, right? Margot was on the move at first. I, if not, I do he's believe. just fast as all hell and it doesn't matter. And he might as well have been on the move. And it, it had some hang time. So Margot's rounding third and that ball hits the wall. Karam's back, hits Renfro's leg, goes back over the wall. And that is rule to ground rule double. And as that's happening, Margot is, it could have crawled to home plate. Could have crawled. Yeah, I understand the general ground rule double rule. If it just organically bounced over and whatever, we're not even having this conversation. We'd say, oh, that's a break, but it is what it is. My issue here is, and I know this is like, okay, how do you fix this rule? The rule itself, if I, if I interpret it correctly, and you have it there, is like they said in, if it's in control kind of of a defender, then it's their fault if it's out of play. But essentially, if it caroms off of somebody, it's just like it ricocheted off of a wall or whatever, as we saw. Why are we rewarding Hunter Renfro for wearing a ball off of his leg and having it go over the wall? For me, the second it hits the wall and hits a player, that is in play to the point where you can't have a ground rule double anymore. I know it's super hard to do this on purpose, but realistically, if that was the winning run coming around third, you're not even trying to get the relay in. I'd be trying to knee that ball over the wall. That's your best shot. You know, like if you ever play beer die and you, you do a little FIFA to, to get the advantage yeah, or you man. kick it to your teammate like that, it's a long shot. It's kind of hard, but you're going to go for it. You have nothing to lose. I would legitimately play FIFA there and try to boot that ball over if I know I'm not going to get the guy out at home. And that's stupid as hell that that's even a consideration and that, that's even a thing. Uh, that's kind of just where I stand on it. It's like, why are we rewarding a guy for knocking the ball over the wall by accident? Yeah. All right. I've got, I've got the actual rule written here. Um, Any, hold on. It's very small font. I got it. Any bounding fair ball is deflected by, oh God. Okay. I got to bring my laptop closer. (laughs) How do they take such a small photo? Any bounding fair ball is deflected by the fielder into the stands or over or under a fence on fair or foul territory, in which case the batter and all runners shall be entitled to advance two bases. Each runner, including the batter runner, may, without liability to be put out, advance two bases if a fair ball bounces or is deflected into the stands outside the first or third base foul lines. If it goes through or under a field fence or through or under a scoreboard or through or under shrubbery or vines on the fence, or if it sticks in such fence, scoreboard, shrubbery, or vines. Um, And then it proceeds to say that any ball that does not have complete possession of pretty much uh, it's allowed to be deflected over the top. of. How do we define possession? Because what, what if what if I just dribbled that ball? Like I go full FIFA mode, full soccer. I have a breakaway, and I'm just going to kick that thing all the way into the dugout. 
I know that they'll obviously not call that a ground row double, but let's say I just kick this ball all the way down to the dugout. Like what is possession? Now we're talking like football. What is a catch? Like what is possession in baseball? That's one thing Two. Again, let's say we're playing at Wrigley field and another situation where shifted way over ball down the line. It's in the corner, easy triple. Why shouldn't I just kick it into the Ivy ground row double, just kicked it into the Ivy, send them back to second. How, how is that a thing? Okay, so what you're getting into now, I think, is umpire discretion, mm-hmm. where they define whether it's intentional or not. That was moving so quickly, I don't think the argument can be made there. Well, that Hunter I can, Renfro I can was make it look real unintentional. I can make it look real unintentional. I'll practice that shit. I'm running. Whoops. I, I think that's unintentional, man. Oh, I, I agree. Renfro was unintentional, 100%. But that's, that's not really my issue. It's just my point is you can exploit this rule because there's a hole in, in the system here. Like, why are we rewarding him for mishandling the ball, hits his leg and goes over, and now it's a double? Like, why is that rewarded? In any other context, that hits his leg, it caroms over here. Now we've got Kiermaier running for days. I just – I don't like how that works. Like, let's say he hits off his leg. You saw how he tried to go catch it and bring it back? Yeah. Because he didn't know what the hell it meant? W- Nobody what if- knew what the hell it meant. Matt yeah. Surgeon said, I, I've never seen this before. Who is yeah. he working with? Smoltz? I think Smoltz said Smoltz, I've Smoltz never had seen never it. seen it. Like, it, it's rare as all hell. So, I mean, you know, we're splitting hairs, and it's, it's probably never going to happen for a while again. But, you know, like, for me, he kicks it up like that. What if he kicks it up and then accidentally knocks it out? Like that's almost what he did anyways. It, it just, I know it was accidental. I, I just hate that. That is a thing. I, I guess what it boils down to for me is like, why are we rewarding a mistake? Uh, and, and to me, that's, that's the big issue. I know it's accidental, but if a ball hits off of you and gets out of, out of play, you should not be net gaining a base as a defense. <laughs> like that's just not right. That, what other sport rewards that? I just, I just don't think that there's even remotely an analogy to that that you can, you can make. I, I, I don't think there's an analogy there. I, I also wouldn't change the call. I, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't change the call. It was the right call. I changed the freaking rule. Yeah, but like what do you change within the rule is my big thing, right? So you're saying that if it does deflect, once it hits off the wall – and it deflects and it is automatically the fielder's issue. So it should be treated as like a throwing error that gets out of play. If it hits the player. Yes. Like, See, I'm okay with umpire define, Why are we de- defining possession? Like the second it hits the player, it's his problem. Why does football define possession? Because that's the whole point of the game is, is to possess the football and take it across the, the end zone. But why do we why do we define possession on the transfer? You know, if a guy's turning a double play and he drops it on the transfer, why is that guy out on second? Why is that guy out at second? Well, because yeah, you have to. I guess that's fair. You have to possess it on a base, right? So that's a good point. My my larger point, I guess, would be what is so difficult about drawing the line at when it hits the fielder? It's his problem. You know, like what's where's the gray area there? Right. Why do we have to have it be possession? Why can't it just be it hits it hits the fielder and it's his fucking problem after that? You know, like that. That's just kind of where I'm at is like, don't wear it. And then like if it if it went anywhere else besides over the wall, 
it's his problem. Oh yeah. And now there's, there's guys running for days. So if that's the case, why in the world are we rewarding it just because it did the one thing that should actually be the worst result, which is it went out of play because it hit you because you played it poorly off the wall and didn't give yourself enough space to play the carom and boom flies over. Like, okay. I just, I just don't like, I don't like that concept. And if you make the rule at the second it hits the fielder, it's his problem. What's the issue there? You know, like I know this is the last thing I want to say on it. It's like to ask you, what's the issue with drawing the line there? Like, okay, it hits him. It's his problem. Whatever happens after that. It's hard for me because everything is so murky because I ask you the follow-up as my final answer to you. Uh, if you could go back in time and be umpiring that Canseco hit off the head home run, what is that? Is that an error on him? So it's like a triple because he advances a base by the time it goes out of play, or does it stand as a home run? It's a home run because it never reached the field of play, technically speaking, right? Like it never touched the freaking grass or the warning track or the wall. It touched his head and then went over again. And in that rule, it's his freaking problem that it hit him in the head. Right. Like yeah. we're not making that a ground rule double because it hit him in the head. It's his fault. And he has to quite literally wear that. And it's a home run. So that's where I'm at. It's like we didn't reward Jose Canseco for headbutting that thing into the, you know, into oblivion. And I don't think we should reward Hunter Renfro for kneeing it over the wall either. I, I just think when you look at it from that perspective, the second it hits the field of play, you should be able to figure it out at that point <laughs> like that, yeah. that's your problem hunter renfro uh but people calling it like a 500 iq play too it was unintentional as all hell no. um and renfro caught a break the red sox caught a break but it was within the rules and it was the right call and let's fix that damn rule even though it'll probably never happen again right it, it's hard for me to form a staunch opinion on this because there's no precedent uh and i am a fan of umpire discretion i'm a fan of home plate umpiring i'm a fan of base umpiring i'm a fan of replay i don't need robotic umpires i do love the idea of human error because that adjusts the game um i i, I want to get into that in a moment but to just tie a bow on red sox rays christian vasquez delivered exactly exactly and he came up clutch i love that it was a two-run shot just to like kind of quell some of the oh like they got lucky they don't deserve it they deserve that win one hundred and fifty thousand percent two run shot obviously if they, the raise run counts changes the tide a little bit but two run shot vasquez came up big and you know what the red sox at fenway how many times have we seen it bro how many times have we seen the walk-off homer the clutch hit there's something about the atmosphere there's something about the red sox in general they're clutch and that's why you can't count them out that being said would you be surprised if the Rays rattle off two straight? No, I don't. No. I can answer that for you. So it'll be fun. But the Red Sox have had it going exactly how they could want it going. But you know, it's going to come down to Eduardo Rodriguez later today, brother. Later oh, yeah. today, Eduardo Rodriguez. Man, um, let's transition to White Sox Astros. Because while I say that I do like the idea of human error and I like the idea of human home plate umpiring. I am giddy to see Tom Hallion's umpire scorecard drop on Twitter. 
that was a terrible zone last night. Was his ass in the jackpot? <laughs> have you ever you know, interpreted what that meant? Our ass is in the jackpot now. I, I have no clue what that meant. But you're using it. You're just pulling that one out. That's his line. That's Tom Hallion. Oh, he, he says that? That was the Mets thing. Do you uh, remember that when, when Terry Collins was screaming at that umpire? And the umpire says, Terry, it's the situation. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You've never seen that video? I, think I have seen that. That's when Syndergaard threw I love what Terry. I love Terry's rant there. That's I forgot it. That's one of my favorite videos, honestly. Terry, you, he's like wired up. He's like, he's mic'd up. You can hear everything. Yeah. Yeah, my ass is in the our ass is in the I guess it's just like we're, we're our asses are on the line here, right? Well, like, like his ass is in the jackpot. He's going to register like a sub 90 accuracy for the so? first time this postseason. Yeah. Did you start was... betting umpire scorecards? Oh, I, I want to. Yeah. Over <laughs> under 92%. <laughs> yeah. I, I, honestly, that, that's not a terrible idea. Um, it was bad. I think when, when you have a game like that, that's so dragged out, you have to wonder, do these umpires just start checking out a little bit? They can't. It's their job, but that game was so long and so slow. <laughs> it was fun. I had a blast, but holy crap, it was six to nine in the fifth. <laughs> yeah. Nobody could pitch. Nobody could get out. Uh, I wonder how much of it was just him being trying to expand the zone because the game was, was quite literally endless. Um, and also every guy that the White Sox brought in through 100, so it's a little bit harder to track. I'm not making excuses. You got to figure it out. But that zone sucked. Fortunately, it didn't affect the game too much. I mean, they, there was just so much offense. It didn't matter anyways. Yeah. But I wonder if he was just like, holy crap, this game's never going to end. Neither of these teams can get outs. And he expanded the zone a little bit, which generally speaking, that fluidity is part of the argument for, for umpires in like a regular season game, right? Like yeah. you can expand the zone. You can, you can shrink it a little bit based on the situation. I'm not a huge believer in that, but there's always a situation that calls for that. This is not one of them. Uh, I, I don't know if it was human error, what it was, but it was definitely bad. Yeah, it was not a good zone. Um, I want to read this. Actually, I want to talk about this, and then I want to read this. Uh, Dylan Cease with a casual 101 in the first inning. Michael Kopech with 100. I mean – it's really hard for me to say that any other environment that we've seen in the postseason is better than what we saw at Guaranteed Rate Field last night. Oh, that blackout, that crowd, unbelievable. Unreal. And that's a team down two zip. You know, they, I think the fans more so are like, let's let's light a fire under this team. Let's enjoy this game if it's the last one because it's been a great season overall. It would be disappointing, but like, let's let's rock here. We haven't had a home playoff game since 08, right? Yep. Since the housing crisis, like it, they, they were rocking. And I, I, that was really damn cool. I'd say Milwaukee was is similar, but I thought it was more electric than that. Um, and it was, it was pretty awesome to see that. I know you're smiling because you're like Milwaukee. The environment to me doesn't matter that much for the players, but I felt like it did a little bit last night. Um, I felt like if there's one scene that's going to feed off of it, it's going to be Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, uh, not Rowdy Tellez. But I, I thought it was it was pretty awesome to, to see. I love when Chicago baseball is good. And let's hope they're good. They've got to rattle off two more. And what makes me nervous about that game, I'm curious for you as, as a legitimate White Sox fan, 
is the fact that they had to win that way. It's a little unsustainable, right? Like I'm going to put up nine runs, 11 runs, 12 runs to, to win a game. I just don't know if they can do that again. Like what's up with the pitching. This is, this is supposed to be a team that is just laden with pitching. And you have Craig Kimbrell, who has been shockingly abysmal since the trade. Yeah. Um, Liam Hendricks, they end up not using, right? He, he wasn't even using the nine. So that's it. good. Oh, he did finish it. Okay. Yeah. How many pitches did he throw? Because I, I honestly, I turned it off at the ninth. I went to bed. Yeah, I don't blame you. Liam Hendricks threw the ninth, and Hendricks threw a one, two, three inning, two punch outs. Um, did they just ten, put him in? 10 pitches. Okay. So he's fine. You could stretch him out for, for five outs today yeah Kimbrell threw four pitches to get it out okay so you can stretch both those guys out for a net three innings easily yeah that you're hoping for you need those guys but I'm just a little bit nervous with the starting pitching like what or, and just in general the pitching this White Sox team's supposed to be loaded with arms and it just I know the Astros offense is great but I, I, I was expecting a little bit more in that regard um Cease did not rise to the occasion whatsoever uh but neither did a lot of the arms yesterday. None of the starters really had good outings across the entire game. Besides Diabaldi, who was all right. Yeah. I just want to see more from the Sox bullpen. And I mean, I'm glad the bats came alive and if they can ride those bats through two more wins, it's possible, but that's a lot of pressure on, on your offense. Yeah. They just used their A team bullpen in a short day for Dylan Cease. He didn't get through two. So you had to rely on Michael Kopech to throw more pitches pretty much than any outing he's had in the last three months. Ryan Tapera, Aaron Bummer, Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks. Those are your best relievers. Easily, far and away, your best relievers. It feels like there's nobody left. So Rodon, we're going to see in the first inning whether he's healthy or not yep, this literally. afternoon. We'll, we'll, three pitches and we'll know. First fastball, we'll know. Yep. First fastball, we're going to know. If he's not, what are we going to do, Tony? What's going to happen there? Is it Reynaldo Lopez? Lopez has oh. been good as a long relief option, but I, I have zero confidence in Reynaldo Lopez. Is it Garrett Crochet for the he third time? Bad last outing. Crochet looked not good. Like, I, I don't know where we can go. Is Kopech going to go another game after throwing 45 pitches? The answer is no. Absolutely. Flat out, not. the answer is no. Tapera's Even- burned. Where do you go? Yeah. If I could see Larusa trying to like right now, as as we record this, he's talking to the White Sox brass, like let me put Kopik in. They're like, no, you can't put Kopik in today. You can't do it. Um, but you know, I I said this going into the postseason, and this was one of the reasons why I believed in the White Sox. And I said, if somebody can manage a bullpen, it's Tony Larusa. Well, Tony Larusa, here's your defining moment of the 2021 season. How do you manage this shit show? How do you manage this? Because you got a game the very next day after you use your A team, like you said, Jack. How do you go about this, Larusa? This, to me, you can use the analytics, you can use all that, and I think they're very helpful with with how to manage your bullpen, uh, of course. But also, there's a lot of feel to it. So let's see how good that Tony Larusa baseball feel is, which we know has been spectacular for a long time. But he was removed. Now he's back. He's it's a different generation. Yeah. How good is this bullpen feel? And let's see how he does it. I'm excited to see what he does because it's kind of almost going to be like a show of 
what decision is Tony going to make now? I would go, sorry, go ahead. No, you ready for my educated guess here? Yeah. Giolito and long relief. I I like that. I like that. Because let's let's think about it this way. You you win this game, which is all hands on deck. Whoever you have left for the final game, you piece it together. You would have the off day, right? Would there be an off day in between? Yeah, off day. So that I, I, I think it's all hands on deck. Because you have the best offense when it's clicking. I would, I would put this offense up with anybody's when it's clicking, right? There's that tier one offenses where you have the Astros, the Dodgers, the Giants, the basically all the teams in the playoffs, I, they, besides the Brewers, like can just get hot and go crazy. And if you can force a game five, I don't care. I don't care if I'm on the mound. Like that's, that's the focus is force a game five and hope that things go your way. And, uh, I, I would go to Giolito in long relief. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, God, I, that's going to be a hard decision. I'm really excited to see how Tony kind of goes around that. Uh, what I will say here is the offense actually looks good. And then I just want to read you this to finish up talking about this game. This is what Ryan Tapera said after the game, quote, on the Astros. Quote, they've had a reputation of doing some sketchy stuff over there. We can say it's a little bit of a difference. I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to the first two games at Minute Maid. I don't think they're doing anything. If they are, it would suck. But, like, why would Tapera say that? Why would Tapera say that? I don't know. Come on, man. If... If the Astros were cheating again, that's like some Manny Ramirez level shit. Like I've I've gotten popped for juicing twice. I'm gonna just get popped one more time. Right, like you're gonna get caught if they're doing it. And what happened to just? I mean, like there's guys with. And again, I'm not defending the Astros. We we've gone more than enough over that. Are they that dumb? No. Are they really? There's no shot they're that dumb. And also, there's teams that just see the ball better at home. It's not like that is the best environment uh, to, to be able to hit in. It's a little bit different than playing at Minute Maid. And that was the first game. And that was the A-team bullpen. Uh, come on, Tapera. I'm not a big fan of that one. I, and I'm, I'm always here for some Astros jokes. I'm always here for that. But, like, come on, dude. You're down two zip. It's a bad look. Like, okay, resort to their cheating if they win two games at home. You can also look at, but Tapera won't. No White Sox will oh, crap, we didn't have a single extra base hit in the first two games in Houston. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, right? Cheating. Yeah, it's got to be cheating. Um, quickly. That's, that's gross. I don't, I don't let's, like go that. Through, let's go through the state of the two NLDS series. Giants-Dodgers is just shaping up the way we wanted it to exactly. I can see this going five easily, and it can be a toss-up game five. Yeah, I, honestly, you know, for me, it was – I would say that the biggest thing for them – is to get that game too, obviously, again. I, but the way it was mapped out, I figured, okay, Logan Webb could easily get them that winning game on the Giants, and then the Dodgers could be down 1-0. That one wasn't as, as big for me. I was like, the Dodgers have to beat Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman was much better than I thought he would be. He looked more like first-half Kevin Gossman. Um, he's been solid against the Dodgers all year. But that they had to win that one. I, I would think that it was more realistic that they lose the Logan Webb start. And I mean, Logan Webb. I mean, he he put Amazing. his – he staked his claim. I'm an ace in this freaking game. Respect me. And he's an ace. He's an ace. He's a top 20 pitcher. Maybe better than that. He might be top 15 at this point. And, and there's no debating it at this point. He, he is what he is. And, and I think he 
stake that claim in the last outing. Yeah. What makes me nervous here is one, one rest of the way, absolute advantage Dodgers. Like, let's look at these arms. Do you trust Alex Wood later today? Like, I, I no. mean, he's had, he had one good outing against, against the Dodgers, uh, gets a lot of swings and misses against them. Do you trust Anthony Desclafani if it no. comes to him? That's where I'm nervous. That being said, it could turn into a bullpen game and, and that Giants bullpen is phenomenal. So it's, it's tough. I think it's really going to be on the bats. For, the, the Giants are going to have to continue to hit. They're going to have to do what they've been doing offensively because I don't trust the, the arms to keep the, the Dodgers under four runs. I, I think five runs is going to win the ball game. And that's not that easy to do against a Dodgers team that has just a steady lineup. I shouldn't say lineup, a steady stable of arms. And, and you're going to have to beat Scherzer again. But let, let's be real. Scherzer hasn't looked like the Scherzer that he was through the first 10 starts with the Dodgers. He's looked a little bit more human. Right. But would you be surprised if he came out and just shoved? Like no. nobody would. So it's going to be interesting. I just think it's playing into advantage Dodgers right now, given the starting pitching situation, but I'd argue that the giants bullpens right there with them. So it should be interesting. As brewers braves shifts back to Atlanta. This is the most intriguing starting pitching matchup. I see today, Ian Anderson for the braves, Freddie Peralta for the brewers. Both guys have the capability of going seven shutout innings with 10 strikeouts, Both guys have the capability of being bounced in the second inning and trailing five, nothing like I don't, I don't know if there's an in-between to be totally honest, because both these guys are very mysterious in terms of the postseason. Ian Anderson, we saw for a little bit last year in the postseason, he looked good. It looked like he was ready to rise to the occasion. Freddie Peralta. This is really his first step into those waters. We saw him warming up late game. In game one, I want to say maybe game two. Uh, it was game one, but I this is that starting pitching matchup that I think entirely swings the series 150%. And frankly, frankly, when I gave out my, my hot take Braves pick, I was looking at this exact matchup here because when I wrote the, when I wrote the write up, I was thinking, okay, who would go in game three? It's not going to be Huascar and Noah. It's going to be Ian Anderson versus Freddie Peralta. What I will say is Freddie Peralta has carved the Braves up this year, but that was pretty injury, Freddie Peralta. Yeah. You talk about Ian Anderson being good in the postseason last year. He was great in the postseason last year. 18 and two-thirds innings, a .96 ERA. He was amazing. 24 Ks. And that wasn't against bums. I mean, one of the games was against bums. It was against the Marlins. But he went <laughs> – he had two outings against the Dodgers – the damn Dodgers and was good, really good. So I, I am very excited to see this. I think that Anderson's, you know, like you said, he's had his ups and downs. I would take the under in just about every single one of these games. I've cashed out on the under in just about every single one of these, or the, the two games so far, and I'm going to continue yeah. to ride it. But this is one of those where I could see one of the guys blowing up. I think both are going to be solid. I, I really do. I just think Peralta might get an early yank. I think Anderson could go deep and, I just still don't see how the Brewers win this one, especially now with it going back to Atlanta. Not this individual game. I just don't see how they win the series. I I still think the Braves are going to win the series. I like where it's at. And if it comes to a decisive game five with Charlie Morton, I'm riding with Morton. I know Corbin Burns has been phenomenal, but 
I'm riding with Morton in, in, in a decisive game. I think history has shown that. It's going to be a really fun series. I don't think any, everybody's lining up to watch it, but people are going to blink. It's going to be game five. You're going to have Morton versus Burns potentially, and everyone's going to be like, holy crap. And yeah. uh, I, I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, I think it's very clear that my optimism that the Brewers offense was going to piece it together just enough to squeak through this series and let the starting pitching ride, that's not going to happen. I mean, this Brewers offense is anemic. It's It's not good. And, you know, what what it looks like for them is like they've come up with the big hit. It happened with Rowdy Telez homering. But the flip side is this. The Brewers are what is the one thing that their, their staff excels at, which they have to, because they play in a band box of a field, their staff excels at limiting the home run. Mm-hmm. Corbin Burns is number one in baseball and home runs per nine. Brandon Woodruff's number 10 in baseball and home runs per nine. The Braves, they don't string together hits. They no. hit home runs. They were third in baseball and home runs. And this is your classic. Something's got to give. And I'm willing to bet on the Braves hitting homers at truest. And I think they're going to do it. Not saying a bunch, it only takes one swing of the bat, yeah. one three-run shot, and that's like six runs to, to this Brewers team. One swing of the bat. And I'm a little bit more nervous when it's a Corbin Burns because, again, nobody gives up less home runs than Corbin Burns and even a Woodruff. But now, you know, you have a Peralta who's susceptible to the long ball at times. You have some other guys that are susceptible to the long ball. You can get to the bullpen. Now I think it's advantage Braves 100%. Yeah, I hear you. He's Arm Layton 8. I'm Jack underscore McMullen 11. And you can find the rest of the social media handles, <laughs> all the links in the bio of this episode. It was a good one. We got a full slate today. It starts with Brewers Braves. Freddie Peralta, Ian Anderson at 1 o'clock Eastern. And then we go to White Sox Astros. And then we go to uh, Red Sox Rays. And then the yes. late game is Dodgers Giants. Correct. Regardless, you can just sit on your couch for like 12 hours. and just That's my plan. I'll be writing articles. I'll be live tweeting and stuff uh, while I watch these games and do nothing. So I, I, I guess something. That's, that's work nowadays. So it's pretty sweet. Uh, but I'm excited, bro. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, also, we've been getting some really awesome ratings, some really nice reviews, uh, which I love. Somebody called your voice. What was it? What, what, what was your voice in one of the reviews? It was, I don't know. It was, it was a good, it was, it was a good one. Uh, we'll have to go check it out, but really appreciate the reviews. Anybody who leaves them. Thank you so much. It, we definitely read them. We check them out. Uh, they mean a lot. It's great to get the feedback. And of course they help us a ton. So thank you to everyone who's done that. And uh, so it's a nice little pat on the back, which we could use. Cause every once in a while I text you and say, Jack, do we, do we suck? And I just go read the reviews and I feel a little bit better. Well, I, I say, yes, we suck, but the reviews make you feel better. Yes. Yes. Cause I'm like, maybe Jack's wrong. Yeah. I think I'm wrong. Uh, I ticket prices are dropping. I might be at guaranteed rate field. If so, I will report back. Can't wait. You better be there. Thank you everybody. 